Welcome to the Lighthouse Community Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We hope today's teaching will encourage you in your faith and help you develop an increasing desire to walk with God. Let's listen in. I feel like I should be wearing sunglasses or have a badge or something like, uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, But good. Hey, really glad. (laughs) Don't start your sermon the way I just did right now, okay? Uh, If you ever get a chance to, don't do that. Um, But I'm really glad you're here. Uh, My name's Fritz. I am one of the pastors here. Um, Thanks for being at Lighthouse Community today. Uh, I especially want to welcome all of our guests. um, Just that you came here today. Uh, We have actually been praying for you. We have been preparing for you to be with us. Uh, We've been hoping that you hear God's voice speak to you very, very clearly uh, in our time together. And then I do want to welcome those who are joining at Lighthouse Online, uh, wherever you may be joining uh, with us. Uh, If you're here in Hancock County, if you're somewhere else, uh, thank you for being with us today as we worship together. I did want to tell you, uh, we got to see that baptism recap video a little bit earlier. And uh, so Lighthouse Community, um, we baptized eight people last Sunday, but here's what's really cool. Actually, across the family of churches, Living Hope, Lighthouse Community, and Bluffton Community, over the last two Sundays, uh, we have been able to witness the baptism of 13 people just in the last couple weeks. So isn't that awesome? Just so, so cool uh, what God is doing. And um, so yeah, if you're in that place, you're going, man, what is baptism? I want to learn all about what that means and following Jesus, uh, reach out to us. We'd love to connect with you about that. How, how do you know when the Holy Spirit is speaking to you? That's, that's the question. How do you know when the Holy Spirit is speaking to you? Nine years ago, um, I believed that I heard the Holy Spirit speaking to me and to my wife, Christina, and our family. And I believe that I heard him so clearly, and I believed it so much that I actually moved my family 1,300 miles away from our home. Like, that's, you You got to know, right? Like, you got to know in that moment, that kind of a choice, that kind of decision that you heard God speak to you if you're going to move your family 1,300 miles away from their home. And my question is, have you ever heard the Holy Spirit speak to you? Have you ever heard God, his leading direction in your life? And how did you know it was him? How did you know it was the Holy Spirit speaking and not something else? And and that's a really common question, by the way. It is very common, uh, not only for Christians, but even non-Christians to go, how do you know when God is speaking to you? Right? If you've not asked that question, you will someday soon. And so it's a common question, but there's not a common answer to that in all reality. And and different people answer that in different ways. And because of that, it leads to things like confusion. It can lead to misunderstandings and frustration. It can actually get to the place where you start, if you feel like you've been burned enough by that statement or by that question of hearing God speak, it can actually lead to suspicion in your life. That when somebody says, God told me, you go, yeah, what did he say? Tell me. (laughs) I'll tell you. Right? And you get suspicious about that. 
And so what I want to do is today, I want to look at the Bible and I want to show why the Holy Spirit and Jesus' resurrection are so tied together and how you and I can learn how to rely on the Holy Spirit in our everyday lives. That's where we're going. That's what we're doing. And if you brought a Bible with you or if you want to bring it up on your phone, First uh, Peter chapter 3 is where we're going to start. First Peter chapter 3. That's kind of towards the back of the New Testament. Um, we're going to start in First Peter 3, but we're also going to make our way over to Acts chapter 2. So First Peter Peter 3, and then maybe kind of just put a thumb or a finger into Acts chapter 2 so you're ready to jump there as well. While you're going there, uh, we're in the third week of our series called Our Only Hope, where we have just been explicitly and unapologetically looking at the resurrection of Jesus Christ, uh, how true and how real it is, and then all of the implications that come out because Jesus really was raised from the dead. And by the way, Jesus' resurrection is the absolute cornerstone to all of Christianity and to your personal faith in him. In fact, without the resurrection, you don't have anything. If you bypass the resurrection, you're not dealing with Christianity anymore. You're dealing with something, some other religion, something that's to the side uh, of what Jesus came to do. And so we're dialing in on this idea that our only hope is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Uh, Before we go any further, I want to take a moment to pray. So let's bow our heads and pray together. Lord, I am grateful that your resurrection is real. It's not a theory. It's not a legend. It's not your followers getting overly excited about something. It is real. You really did die. You really did raise from the dead. And you're alive today. And that means everything. And so would you help us, Holy Spirit, to very clearly see truth from Scripture, to very clearly see and understand who you are as the Bible has revealed you and what that means for our lives here today. I'm so, I'm so thankful that you have been at work all morning. May you continue to speak very clearly to us. We ask these things through the great name of Jesus. And everyone said... Amen. Okay. Hey, here's the first thing I want to share with you about Jesus' resurrection and the Holy Spirit. It's this, is that the Holy Spirit was central to Jesus' resurrection. The Holy Spirit was central to Jesus' resurrection. This is the point that uh, the disciple Peter makes in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18, when he writes this letter to a group of Christians, he says this, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive in the spirit. And so what Peter is saying here, Peter is saying, listen, Jesus, the righteous one of heaven, suffered and died in your place for your sins. The righteous one suffered and died for the unrighteous ones. And why did he do that? So that we could be with God. That's why he did it. He did that to make the pathway so that we could be with the Lord. And and Peter makes the point, listen, his payment is full. 
He's made full payment for sin. There's nothing you can add to it. There's no work you can put on top of it, right? You can't discipline yourself into being a better person. You can't like clean yourself up before you come to the Lord. Jesus' death is the full and final payment for our sin. And then Peter said this, that after Jesus died, he was made alive in the spirit. He was made alive by the spirit. If you were here last week, you know we looked at a couple of different passages, passages where uh, even Peter himself in one of his sermons says, God raised Jesus up from the dead. And then then you have Peter writing the letter here, right, that that Jesus was made alive by the Spirit. And then you have John, or excuse me, Jesus, in his own words, John recording them in John chapter uh, 10, when Jesus says, I have the authority to lay my life down. I also have the authority to take it back up again. So you go, okay, who raised Jesus? Was it the Father? Was it the Son? Or was it the Spirit? And the answer is yes. Yes. Of course. Of course the Trinity would be a part of the most important moment in all of time and space and history, right? But you have to understand that the Holy Spirit, right, clearly is central to the resurrection of Jesus. He's not off doing something else, busy, playing somewhere. He, right, when this moment is happening, he is intimately a part of it. That's, that's the first thing I want you to understand about the resurrection and the Holy Spirit. The second thing I want you to know is this, is that the Holy Spirit came after Jesus' resurrection. The Holy Spirit came after Jesus' resurrection. In fact, in Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 1, it says this, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. This is talking about Jesus' followers. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now you have to understand, Pentecost is 50 days after Passover. This is 50 days after Jesus was killed on the cross, right? Three days later, he's raised from the dead He's appearing, he's eating with people, he's walking with people, having conversations with them, right? All of these things. And then in Acts chapter 1, Jesus says, you're going to be filled with my spirit, but first I'm going to ascend to the Father. And he does. And so you have Jesus' life, his death, his resurrection, and his ascension. And then the Holy Spirit showed up. The question is why? Why does the Holy Spirit wait until after Jesus' ascension to come and fill and show up in the lives of the disciples in this way? Why did the Holy Spirit come after Jesus' resurrection? And I'll tell you why. Because Jesus said so. Seriously, (laughs) he said so. In John chapter 16, verse 7, um, this is Jesus' own words. They're in red, so you really have to listen to them, right? Um, But actually, let's do this. Let's read uh, this verse out loud together, beginning with, but in fact. Are you ready? Go. But in fact, it is best for you that I go away, because if I don't, the advocate won't come. If I do go away, then I will send. 
This is Jesus. He's saying, listen, if I don't go away, the Holy Spirit doesn't show up. And I want you to think about this. If Jesus isn't resurrected from the dead, you and I don't get the Holy Spirit. That's, that's the truth of the matter. If Jesus isn't resurrected from the dead, if Jesus doesn't ascend to the Father, we don't get the Holy Spirit. And I want you to notice something that Jesus said. If you, if you, if you don't look at it, if you don't see it, you, it's like you go right past it, but when you see it, you can never unsee it, right? Because what Jesus says in that one statement, he says this. Well, well let, me, let me ask you this question. If you could choose, in all honesty, and we're not going to do a raising of hands or a poll or anything, but I want you to think about this. In all honesty, if you could choose of having God's spirit in you or Jesus in the flesh next to you, which would you rather have? Would you rather have the spirit of God in you or would you rather have Jesus in the flesh walking next to you wherever you go, whatever you do, what would you rather have? And in all honesty, I think for a while I was going, well, I would rather have Jesus next to me, right? Like, how awesome would that be? It's like you're never paying for wine, right? Like every <laughs> bottle of water, wine, wine, wine. No. <laughs> just, right? But like all this stuff that he can do, and he's just going to, he's like, Fritz, you shouldn't do that. Fritz, well, hey, listen, you know, like, and he's just going to take care of all of the problems that I, like Jesus in the flesh. But I want you to notice what Jesus said. Jesus said, it is better for you to have the Holy Spirit inside of you than to have me in the flesh next to you. That's what this verse says. It's better for the Spirit of God to live inside of you than to have me in the flesh walking next to you. That is an amazing thought to me. And that's why the Holy Spirit came after Jesus resurrected from the dead and ascended to the Father. And I think that's amazing. But perhaps what might be even a little bit more amazing to me is this third truth that I want to put in front of you, is that the Holy Spirit rested on the disciples. He rested on the disciples, right? Acts chapter 2 verses 1 through 4 says that the Holy Spirit, he showed up and he filled and he enabled the disciples, what I find amazing is that the very, I want you to catch this, the very first miracle that's performed when the Holy Spirit shows up is the clear and public sharing of the gospel so that everybody can understand it. That was the first miracle. It wasn't a healing. It wasn't somebody walking on water. It wasn't a chill. It wasn't, it wasn't anything along those lines. The very first miracle of the Holy Spirit was the clear and public sharing of the gospel so that everybody in earshot could hear and understand what was going on. That's really important. We're going to talk about that later in this series. But I think the biggest thing in my mind when I read this is that Luke uses this word that the Holy Spirit rested on the disciples. Rested. 
Now, when we think of rest, we think of you get at to the end of a long day at work or taking care of the kids or whatever you may be doing, and you like just plop into your recliner on the couch or in bed, and you just rest, and you lay there, right? That's resting. That's not what resting means here in Acts chapter 2. In fact, when the Holy Spirit rested on them, the word rest means that the Holy Spirit sat down with authority. That's what that word means. That in that moment, the Holy Spirit sat down with authority in the lives of the disciples. And the second part of that meaning rest is this. And this is what I find amazing. He stayed. He stayed. He remained. The Holy Spirit stayed and remained sitting in authority in the lives of the disciples, right? Like you think about this, and it's not that the Holy Spirit had no role at all prior to Jesus' resurrection. In fact, when you look at the Old Testament, you see the Holy Spirit empowered Old Testament people for a task, right? He would empower them to fulfill this task, this role, this moment, but he didn't rest on them. He didn't stay. He didn't remain on them. But what happens here is different. He stays. He remains. In fact, other passages refer to the Holy Spirit as a down payment. That if the Holy Spirit's inside of you, you know you belong to God. Another passage says that the Holy Spirit is a guarantee of your inheritance of internal life. That you receive a portion now, right? the Holy Spirit of all that is going to come in eternal life later. But it's amazing that the Holy Spirit rested. He stayed on the disciples. And I want you to, I want to hang on that for just a moment because I want you to think about this is that we have today, if you're a born again follower of Jesus Christ, we have today that which the people of the Old Testament Testament desperately wanted. We have it today. He's given to us as a gift. Because as I mentioned, people in the Old Testament, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. You can go to Genesis and you'll see where it says that Joseph was filled with the Holy Spirit. You can go to Exodus. You can see that the craftsmen who were helping to build the tabernacle were filled with the Holy Spirit. You can see uh, judges like Samson filled with the Holy Spirit. Kings like Saul filled with the Holy Spirit. David filled with the Holy Spirit. That's there. And they knew, these people who were filled with the Holy Spirit, they knew what it was like to have the Spirit of God within them. They knew what it was like to be empowered. They knew what it was like to have that direction. They knew what it was like to be inspired. They knew what it was like to be able to accomplish far more than they could ever hope or dream on their own. These people who were filled in the Old Testament with the Holy Spirit, they knew what it felt like to have the Holy Spirit living in them. And I want you to think about this. Can you imagine knowing what it's like to have the Holy Spirit inside of you? The empowering, the presence, the guidance, the closeness with God. And then to have the Holy Spirit leave. Could you imagine that? This is what the people of the Old Testament experienced. It happened to Saul. It happened to others because the Holy Spirit, he didn't rest on them. He came, he filled, he empowered, and then he left. This is why in Psalm 51, David writes in his prayer, he goes, God, please don't take your Holy Spirit from me. 
Please don't. He's my joy. He's what sustains me. He's, he, he's, he's everything I want. I, I want the spirit of truth inside of me. Please don't take him from me. That's his prayer in Psalm 51. Because he knows what it's like to have the spirit in him, and he knows what it's like to have the spirit out of him. Here's what's crazy to me. Romans chapter 8, verse 11 says this. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. What Paul is saying is that if you've genuinely been born again, the spirit of God is the one who has brought you into spiritual life. And he stays and he remains and he never leaves. You've genuinely been born again. Like guys, I want you to think about this. This, the Holy spirit, God himself lives inside of you permanently. It's better that you would have the Holy spirit in you than to have me in the flesh next to you. This is what Jesus is saying. And if it's better for me to have the spirit of God living inside of me than to have Jesus in the flesh next to me, then perhaps it's my joy and my opportunity to learn how to rely on the Holy Spirit in my everyday living. And so I I want to talk about that for just a moment how do you do that? What does that look like? And I would just want to throw out two ideas. These aren't the only ideas, but these are two that I think would be a really good start. Two ways to learn how to rely on the Holy Spirit in your everyday lives. Here's the first one. Get your pens and pencils out. You've never heard this before. I guarantee it. Here's it. Here's the first one. <laughs> are you ready? Read the Bible. Seriously, read the Bible. Jesus refers to the Holy Spirit as the spirit of truth. One of the reasons that he refers to the Holy Spirit as the spirit of truth is because he's the one who leads us in truth. He's the one who opens our eyes to truth. He's the one who helps us to see that there is even truth out there. By the way, it was the Holy Spirit who inspired the writers of scripture to write what they wrote, right? It wasn't Moses having a really good day and going, I got to capture this stuff down now. It's the Holy Spirit was carrying him along. Peter is being carried along by the spirit when he's writing these letters, when he's preaching, right? It's the Holy Spirit is leading them in truth. It's the Holy Spirit who opens the eyes. It's what we prayed about today while we were singing. It's the Holy Spirit who glorifies the Son and the Father. And I've got to tell you that the most critical way for me to learn how to rely on the Holy Spirit is to read the Bible, learning about the character of God and about 
his actions. It, just doing that alone, as the more that I understand who God is, the more I discern his character, I begin to, I'm able to discern in real time when the Spirit of God is moving, that's totally in the character of God, as opposed to this other thing, which is totally outside of God's character. That's not how he operates. It's not who he is, right? And so simply reading the scriptures and discovering who God is has helped me to discern that which is most likely the Holy Spirit, and that which is something else. And so reading the Bible is really critical. And I want to tell for, for many of you in here today who struggle, like when I ask the question, have you heard the Holy Spirit speak to you? You're going, no, I haven't. Or when I ask the question, how do you know? You go, I don't know. I don't know how to discern between the Holy Spirit and an idea that I came up with or something along those lines. The key reason you struggle to rely on the Holy Spirit is because you don't know who God is, and you don't know how he's revealed himself in the Bible. That's why you struggle to discern his voice in your life in real time. And in fact, the most Holy Spirit thing, the most Holy Spirit-led thing any of us will probably do right now is to read your Bible. Because what happens is the Holy Spirit uses that to open our eyes to truth and reality and to be able to trust God in real time. And, and I know for some, you're going, well, where do you start? How do you begin reading the Bible? And that's a great question. I would throw out to you, uh, just a couple weeks ago, we started a Bible reading plan together. It's, it's based on this series called Our Only Hope Bible Reading Plan. We have amazing titles for things around here. Um, but uh, if you would want to get that, that might be a good place to start because you're going to read these passages that are centered around the priority of Jesus' resurrection. And so right on the back of your Blue Connection card, that Heidi talked about. If you flipped it over, I forgot to bring mine up with me, but um, if you flipped it over, there's a next step on there that if you check that box, it says, hey, please send me the the Bible reading plan. We will email that to you tomorrow. uh, And that might be a really good place to start uh, to discover more about the resurrection of Jesus and the character of God through all of that. But I think the first way to learn how to rely on the Holy Spirit is simply reading the Bible and discovering who is this God who's living inside of me? What is he like? What's, what's important to him? What really bothers him and ticks him off? What does he enjoy, right? All of those things, but, but read the Bible. Here's the second way I think you can uh, grow in learning how to rely on the Holy Spirit. And in fact, the second one might be more challenging than the first. But the second idea I would throw out is this. Listen. Listen as much as you talk when you pray. Listen as much as you talk when you pray. And now we're just talking about math, right? If you talk to the Lord for two minutes, you should probably listen at least for two minutes, probably longer, right? My biggest problem is I just talk too much, I know that's a shocker for many in this room today and joining online, uh, but it's, it's, that's my biggest problem. I'm talking to the Lord, and I have all these things I need to share and all these problems and all these challenges, which he's clearly not aware of because he hasn't done anything about him yet, and so I need to bring his attention to them and say, this is what's going on in my life, and I need to talk to him, and my biggest problem is I just talk too much, and I need to listen at least as much as I talk when I pray, and so there are times when 
I just, I go to a room by myself and the phone is left somewhere else out on silent. I, I don't even turn, no worship music. I don't want anything in the background. I just, I want to be silent before the Lord. I have a piece of paper. I have a pencil or a pen or whatever. And I just sit before the Lord. And what I'll do is I will listen. And I'll write down every thought that comes to my mind. And I'm just getting it out of here and I'm putting it down on a piece of paper. Now, I am not naive enough to think that every thought that goes on that piece of paper is from the Lord. But what I will do is I'll look at some of those thoughts and those things that I've written down, and I'll discern them against Scripture. What does the Scripture have to say about this thing that I'm worried about? How has God led in the past in a situation that's similar to this? What does God feel about this type of thing that's going on in my life? And I just discern those things next to the scriptures. But it starts with listening. Listening. right? Hearing what God, what the Spirit of God has to say to you. And by the way, discerning the Spirit's voice, it takes practice. It just does. It takes practice and it takes time. And so as you're learning how to discern the Spirit of God's voice in your life, expect sometimes that you're going to get it wrong. You will. And it's not because God misled you. It's because you misheard. Or, or, or you really, you heard something you wanted to hear, right? That's never happened. Um, and so you expect to get it wrong sometimes when you're learning how to discern the voice of God in your life. But here's the other side of that. Expect sometimes to get it right. And those moments that you get it right, There's nothing like it. There's nothing like it to know. I did hear God talk to me. I heard his voice clearly. And I trusted him. And I obeyed. And look what God is doing among me. But as you're learning, you're going to make mistakes. It's going to happen. Nine years ago, I believed that I heard the voice of God speak to me. And I believed it so much I moved my family 1,300 miles away from our home. And within three days of being in this new place, I knew that I had made a massive mistake. I heard wrong. I did. You'll get it wrong sometimes. What's so amazing about the Lord is that God can take your mistake, your mishearing, your misunderstanding, and he can turn it into something beautiful. Because nine years ago, I heard wrong. But eight years ago, I heard the Lord invite us to this weird little town called Finley, Ohio, in Hancock County, named after Herbie Hancock, who signed the Declaration of Independence. I thought, well, that's neat. And for the last eight years, my family and I have been on a journey of seeing God move in some of the most 
miraculous ways we have seen in my 20 plus years of ministry. Sometimes you'll hear wrong, but God can take that mistake and turn it into something beautiful. Listen, discern, take the chance. This is what faith is, what it is to walk with the Lord. It's better that you would have the Spirit of God inside of you than to have Jesus in the flesh next to you. Listen, you were born with the image of God on you. And you were born again with the Spirit of God in you. This is just true. And for some, it's actually time for you to make the decision to simply invite the ministry of the Holy Spirit into your life and stop resisting him and stop being ignorant of his leading in your life. That today's the day you're going to decide, I'm going to start walking in the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And for others, it's actually the whole other side. It's time for you to follow, to begin following the Holy Spirit, not led by whatever emotion thrills your soul in that moment, but actually led by the Holy Spirit in truth. Because he's the spirit of truth. And, and I need to throw this out because if, if you're here this morning, we have people in this room and those who are joining online, you're not a Christian yet. You're figuring this out. You're like, you're trying to discover, is this resurrection of Jesus real? And, and what does that mean? And what does it look like? And if, and if you're not a Christian yet, what I need you to hear is this, is that the Holy Spirit is not in you. That's just true. If you're not a Christian, the Holy Spirit is not resting on you. He's not sitting with authority. He's not staying and remaining in your life. Not yet but he is speaking to you. And you know what the Spirit of God is speaking to you? He's inviting you to believe the resurrected Jesus because that's the starting place. That's the place where all of this begins. And I just wonder, what would your life look like learning to rely on the Holy Spirit every day? Like, like will fear, like will fear and confusion become this distant memory because you sense the Spirit's leading in your life daily. I wonder what, what broken relationship will God heal because of the Holy Spirit's work in you? Who will you get a front row seat to their spiritual transformation of being born again through the gospel because you stepped out in boldness to share the gospel when the Holy Spirit prompted you to do so? What adventures will you get to be a part of because you said yes to the Spirit of God in your life? Learn to rely on the Holy Spirit because it's better to have the Spirit of God in you than to have Jesus in the flesh next to you. I want to invite you to bow your heads and to close your eyes and ask 
this question. We ask it every Sunday at Lighthouse Community, and it's simply this. Jesus, and maybe a better way to say it is this, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me right now through this message? And then I just want you to listen to him for a moment. God, my prayer this morning is that we hear your voice, your voice through, through the truth of Scripture, your voice through the Holy Spirit, your voice ministering directly to us, speaking to the depths of our being, to that very situation, that challenge that we're facing right now, inviting us to put all of our weight, all of our trust, all of our hope in you instead of anything else. And, and my prayer is, is that you would help us to see with amazing clarity that the Spirit of God is the Spirit of truth. And He'll always lead us into truth. And that He's good. And at times, He will convict us. And at times, He'll give us boldness. And at times... He'll teach us and say, delete that message right now. Don't make that phone call. Forgive, serve, bless, love. And may we choose to trust him in real time as opposed to stiff arming or grieving him with choices that are to the side of your character. We, we want to pray for you here at Lighthouse Community. And so let me tell you what we're about to do. The band's going to come up and, and they're going to lead us just in one more song. And at the end of that, or during that song, we're going to have uh, prayer leaders who are available to pray with you about just absolutely anything going on in your life. And so I'm actually going to ask those prayer leaders if they'll begin making their way to the corners. Most of them are there already. And so we thank you for that. And, and they're just, they're, they're here. Their ministry is to pray with you about absolutely anything. And so uh, while the song is playing, I'm going to invite you just to head to one of those corners at any point and share your prayer request. And that leader uh, would absolutely love to pray with you today. And you don't, you don't ever have to be embarrassed. You don't have to be worried. What do people think? Most people won't even see you walking to the corner of the room. My question is this, what will God think? That's somebody who wants to trust me. That's somebody who wants to rely on me. And so what a moment to trust the Holy Spirit in real time. And so uh, if you're here in the house, I'm going to ask you to stand as we prepare for worship. And then I'm going to pray before I invite you to come and pray as well. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would draw every single person who needs prayer right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to learn more about Lighthouse Community, check out our website at mylighthousecommunity.com or connect with us on Facebook. You're invited to join us live Sunday mornings at 909 or 1111. Thanks again for listening to the Lighthouse Community Podcast.